Okay. And I just realized I forgot my glasses and I don't have April here with the spare pair. So uh, I think we can do this, but I, I may have to, I don't know. Everybody offers their glasses, but then you take somebody's, well, let me see, Rod, let's see how they look. What, what, what power are those? Like 17 or something? No, something I don't know. Like well, first of all, you have a bigger head than I do because they're falling off. <laughs> that, that actually works. That actually works. So, uh, just, just a little bit wider this way or something. So, okay. That, that actually works. Thank you, Rod. You're going to be okay without them for today? You just won't be able to read. If I ask you to read, don't, don't read. All right. We are in, um, as you know, Colossians. We're actually finishing up with, with uh, Colossians, not this week, but the week after that. Um, so let me get my, this out. Um, and as we've mentioned now, uh, several times as we've come up to the end, um, after we go through the doctrine of who Jesus is and why he is, um, to be the focus of our life, the focus of our, um, of the, uh, the doctrine that we would, would hold to centers on Jesus Christ because of who he is and because of um, uh, all, all that Colossians are going to say about him, then the focus switches to this is who we should be like. And so when we hit chapter 3, and I know this is just a little review, but we, we just need to, to, to do this. We hit chapter 3, and we're told to uh, seek... Um, the things that are above, and we are told to set our mind or our hearts on the things that are above. And the reason is because that's where Jesus Christ is, and that is the one who is interceding for us, and that's the one that we want to be like. And then it tells us to put off, and it gives us a whole list of things to put off. The the, if you read the fruit of the flesh in Galatians, it would be that list, sexual immorality and, and idolatry and covetousness and all of the things we're supposed to put off. And then it tells us to put on. Uh, this is a great passage to meditate on. We talked last week about praying through parts of the Bible. It's a great passage to pray through. Um, put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness put on uh, humility, put on a gentleness or meekness, put on patience, we are to put on uh, forbearance and forgiveness and love. And this is really a picture of our Lord, that's Jesus Christ, that's who he is. And then we're also told that we are to uh, let the peace of Christ dwell richly and that we're to let the word of God, uh, um, no, we're to let the peace of Christ rule in our heart, we're, we're to let the word of God dwell in us richly, we're to do everything for Christ. And then finally, all of that is to be done with um, thanksgiving. I started to say kindness with thanksgiving. The overarching for all of these is that we are to be thankful people. 
this is the picture of who we're supposed to be. And it's important for what we're going to talk about today. And then Paul says, now, this should come out of our fingertips. This is not something that we keep up here. This is something that, that goes out. And so there's sort of a series of concentric circles. At the very inner circle is the closest relationships that we have, a wife to husband, a parent to child, and then our work relationships. And then Paul opens that circle up last week, and he says, pray for me, and pray f be, be constant in prayer, or be uh, steadfast in prayer. And I see that as opening it up to the wider circle, to uh, the, the believers, even ones that we don't know. Um, certainly people at the church that we'd be praying for. Hopefully there's people in this room that you're praying for on a regular basis, people who are asking for prayer. And then people who are far away, missionaries. Those aren't people we bump into every day, but now today we move out to the big circle, to the outsiders. And that's the way Paul says it, so that's what I'm gonna use, the outsiders. Um, and the goal is so that those outsiders become insiders. The goal is to share the gospel. We're to be praying for those people. Let's see, there's a staple. Let's do this. Hi. Let me. Hi, how you doing? Put this right there. And that stays. Um, and so this is what we're going to be talking about today. And the passage is really simple. And it has a companion passage that I want to read in Ephesians as well. So go to Colossians chapter 4. <clears throat> and let's start at verse 2. Um, if you want to see this part of it, you have to go back to chapter 3, uh, middle of chapter 3. This is all the way back to the beginning of chapter 3. Um, but in chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Um, we actually didn't talk too much about that last week. We got kind of sidetracked a little bit, but Paul is asking that he would always know how to present the gospel, that he would know how to speak. And now he talks to us and he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, jump back to Ephesians 5, because I want to look at this passage as well. Um, Ephesians 5 and 6 parallel Colossians 3 and 4. And so Paul is going to say something very similar here as well starting in verse um, 15 of chapter 5. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So our instructions are pretty simple. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. So. When we're talking about these folks, let me erase this. Uh-oh. Uh, 
uh, we are to walk in wisdom. Or Paul says in uh, Ephesians, be careful how you walk. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Be careful how you walk. And then he makes this statement, make um, the best use of time. What does he say in Colossians? Um, best use of time. Make the best use of your time. We'll get to the speech here in a second, but let's, let's start with this. Make the best use of your time. Let me just mention that that word time, there's two words for time that could have been used. One is a long period of time, like you know, a, a, a season or a year or an epoch. There's another word for time which means very short period of time and usually is used for the word opportunity. And that's the word that's used here. So we're not necessarily saying make the best use of the rest of your life. We're saying make the best use of the opportunity that comes up. Um, there may be very short seasons of time where you have an opportunity toward a particular person. So make the best use of your, does anybody have a Bible where it says opportunity instead of time? I know um, yours does. Yeah, and I know, what, what translation do you have? New, and that's why I grew up with the New American Standard. I didn't grow up. I grew up with King James. And then when I got to college, it was New American Standard. And they used the word opportunity here. Okay. Now, let's just take a minute before we jump into it, because I want to figure out what does that look like. All right. Um, walk in wisdom. What is wisdom? Ah, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, so fear of the Lord has something to do with it, but that starts us on a path toward wisdom. Okay, application of knowledge, proper application of knowledge, good. Okay, discernment. Uh, discernment would be uh, definitely a part of wisdom, application of knowledge, a good part. Um, this is my working definition of wisdom. I remember this from college and it was so clear to me. It actually comes out of, I believe it's from um, Knowing God, John Piper's book, Knowing God. He said, wisdom is knowing the right ends, in other words, the right goal that we're trying to get to and the best way to achieve that goal. You can, be, you can know exactly where you're supposed to go and take a really terrible route to get there, okay? or you can know how to take a really good route to get somewhere, but you're going to the wrong place. Wisdom puts both of those together. So it's practical application of your knowledge, but it's doing it in a way that is the best way to get that done. We say that God is all wise because God sees all of it. Any, his goal for us is perfect and the path that he uses to get us there is perfect. His ways are always right. All right, we're to walk in wisdom and we're to be careful how we walk. Um, when I think of being careful and walking in wisdom, it means that there's purpose here and we have to be aware. Um, my, my wife is very nervous around anything that's high. Not for herself, because she stays way back, but for the rest of us. 
the most tense time ever is to go to the Grand Canyon with April because you start to get anywhere near, I mean, like within 100 feet. Be careful, be careful. It's like, okay. <laughs> I could walk up and lean over the edge and I would be fine, but she's just, just totally nervous, right? So be careful. When your mom said be careful, it was because they thought you were going to hurt yourself or do something. The idea being that when we're saying be careful and walk with wisdom, this involves that we're living purposefully. Right? This is not just float through life and not, not think about it, but we're also to be making the best use of the opportunities, which means we need to be watching for the opportunities. And that's why I said, Becky has somebody come from Amazon and there's an opportunity there. A kind word, you say something uh, and, and maybe it turns into something. Most, I assume most people who deliver packages leave without a conversation, but in this case, the opportunity arose, okay? So, what does this look like to us? What does it mean to walk in, in, in wisdom and to be careful how we walk? That's very good. Dave, you had... Walk in wisdom and be careful how we walk with uh, be a witness of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, as, as I've thought about this week, I think there's a two-pronged uh, part to this. Here's something that's really interesting, I thought. Um, in Colossians, Paul goes through all of this and then he goes, I erased my circles, but he goes through all of these relationships, how to live with your husband or wife, children, people you work with. And then he says, be careful how you walk. Paul in Ephesians says, be careful how you walk. And then he tells us about husband, wife. In other words, he reverses the order in the two of them. Um, I think that the primary way that we that we walk carefully is to do this over here, to be this type of person, to be careful of the relationships that are closest to us, that our lives should, should reflect Jesus Christ in everything. Uh, that's actually being careful how we walk. That's not necessarily seizing opportunities, but that helps to create opportunities that people will look at our lives and say that though your life is such that I want my life to be like yours. Now, 
if we never then speak, that doesn't matter. But, but it, there, there cannot be a hypocrisy here between us. Darla. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at a couple of verses, and we have to do this pretty quick. Go, just turn over a couple pages there if you're in Colossians, the First Thessalonians 4, verse 11. Um, and we have to run through these fairly quick because I do want to get to the speaking part, although maybe that'll just have to wait till next week. First um, <coughs> Thessalonians 4. Starting at verse 11. Um, he says, um, if you go back, we're right in the middle of a sentence, but um, starting in verse 9, he says, now concerning brotherly love, we don't need to speak anymore about that. But then right before verse 11, he says, but we urge you brothers to do this and more and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands, as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and to be dependent on no one. Now, we might say, well, that doesn't seem like that's all that attractive to people, but, but this is what Paul was saying. Live quietly, mind your own affairs, work with your hands, do not be dependent on anyone, walk properly toward outsiders. Um, as Christians, our lives should be ones where we're careful and conscious of the people around us. And we're living a life in a such a way that we are not imposing on other people. Um, who would you rather have as a neighbor? A loud neighbor or a quiet neighbor? Quiet neighbor. It doesn't mean that you don't talk with them, but it just means that our life is lived in a way that we're considerate of other people. Uh, can, I, can I throw out something that may um, step on some toes? It's kind of a simple thing. Um, is, does, your, does your driving reflect that? Um, I, 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 and I, I know that sounds a little bit silly, but you know what happens when we're driving? We're anonymous, right? So that idiot cuts us off. So I can say bad things about him in my car. Um, maybe I'm going to honk at him. Maybe it's going to make me upset. Okay? Um, he shouldn't have cut me off. But I have to be careful because that attitude becomes an attitude that, that infects the rest of our life. Um, you, you've all done this, I'm sure. You're driving up and you're going this way and you can tell that this guy is going real fast and he wants to go in front of you. Anybody else like me where you just kind of move just a little faster so he can't do it? <laughs> Nobody? Okay, so it's just me, just me. But the question is, why not be kind and gentle to that person? You say, well, because it'll make him do more of it otherwise. But, but you don't know what's going on with that person. In other words, th this should flow out of us, not just in our family and in our home, but even to outsiders. And, and I, I think it's a mindset that takes place that our lives should reflect this stuff over here. And sometimes we kind of compartmentalize. So. I don't want to focus on driving, by the way. I just find it interesting. A lot of times the way we drive is totally 100% opposite of the way we claim that we're going to live as a believer. Yeah. I make my living on the highway. I watch people constantly. I sit up high on the ground above before I can see everything going on. And, and what was the worst 
acting like an idiot and he had his little kids in the back seat. And they didn't talk about the walk to life. He's ruining his kids without even thinking about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. Becky. Yeah, but that's seizing the opportunity. Somebody made a comment that you're able to jump off of. And it was because people are walking and learn the way of the Lord in a church. Yeah. Like you were saying for a good time. Yeah. Um, all right, let, let's go back to um, Ephesians chapter 5. I know we were there. I want to look at a couple of verses real quickly on, on how we should walk. Because we kind of stopped reading in, in Ephesians, and I just want you to see this. Starting at verse 15. By the way, if you go back in the chapter, he talks about this stuff here. He talks about what we're to put off and what we're to put on. Not as thoroughly as in Colossians. And then he gets to verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it talks about wives submitting to their husbands and so on. Um, I don't think we can live properly or wisely unless we are allowing the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to fill us. This is not something that human wisdom does. This is something that only comes by yielding our lives to Jesus Christ. And then it becomes authentic and people will see that there's a, a difference. And we've mentioned it, one of the main things is this thankful. If you find yourself grumbling constantly, you're not attractive to other people. <laughs> you just aren't. Um, maybe you have somebody at work who likes to complain. It's kind of fun to jump in and complain with them. I'm sure that doesn't happen to anybody else, but if, if that's the case, it's not a Christian witness. It's not attractive. It doesn't draw people to the Savior by your life. So um, be filled with the Spirit live in such a way that that we are considerate of the people around us, thinking about them where they know that, not a burden on other people, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus speaks of this. If you go to um, uh, Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 13, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives life to all in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and glorify, give glory to God who is in heaven. Um, our life is supposed to be lived in such a way that we are salt and light, that we are, are, are different from the people around us, and that should cause people to want to follow our Savior. Um, now, uh, by the way, there's one other passage, and it's one that um, I think we'll, we, we have to ponder a little bit, but it's the 1 Corinthians 9 passage where it says um, that I have become all things to all men so that um, in, I may win some. And I, I think that one can cause all sorts of trouble because a lot of things are justified in the name of I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living this way so that I attract other people. But I think the, the key example of someone who lived that way was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became a man to win men. He left heaven, came and lived, and he lived in a way that was uh, authentic. He didn't give up any of his holiness. He didn't give up any of his uh, righteousness, but he went and he actually lived with people who, who needed to know. And he looked a lot different on earth than he did in heaven. And there's times where, where we need to be thinking, how do I become uh, this person? So it's kind of interesting, the gal that came to Becky's feeling uncomfortable because she's got pink hair and, and tattoos and, a, you know, a, a pierce and piercings. Um, it's easy for us to stand back and say, well, you know, that person doesn't belong here. I don't sense that, by the way. Um, I, I haven't seen that among, among people, and I hope she wouldn't feel judged here. Um, but but it, it, to, to accept somebody and to say, we, we love you exactly the way you are coming to us, that's, that's, I think, part of what Jesus was doing. So he came and he spent time with the tax gatherers and the sinners. He must have gone to their parties. He was at Matthew, um, is it Matthew? The uh, tax gatherers party. And so he was spending time with those people, and that's what we're called upon to do as well. Um, now, you can comment here in a minute if you want to. Make the best use of your opportunities. Uh, I, I don't know how to say this any better than we need to be watchful for opportunities. I would say we need to be watchful for those opportunities, and I wonder if that's what Paul means when he says be careful be watchful, and we need to be, um, I think we have to be praying for opportunities, or at least praying uh, for God to give us the eyes to see the opportunities. Um, for, I think opportunities are around us, but for seeing the opportunities. And let me just give an example. Um, and this is where we can get so focused on our own life that we're not living carefully and watching. Our goal is to bring people to Jesus Christ. And yet it's possible to say, well, I'm just going to live quietly and then people will come to me asking about the Savior. Um, in my experience, that doesn't happen a whole lot. Now, it kind of did with Becky, with the gal who said there's something different about Kingsburg. Um, and it opened a door. But... Oftentimes, we don't let that door open because we're not seizing the opportunities. 
So I'm going to give you a terrible example. It, it happened to me this week. I missed an opportunity. Um, I teach over at the college, and I had some errands to do, and I, I was all done, and I had work I had to do, and I just went over to my classroom at the college at 5 o'clock. Actually, about 5.15. Class doesn't start till 6. I walk in, and there's a kid sitting in there working. And I said, wow, you're here early. And he said, yeah, I, I get out of my other class at 5, and it's too far to go home, so I just come over. The door's almost always open, and I come in, and I sit down. So we both sat and worked. And I could have spent time. Now, if he didn't want to talk, that would have been one thing. But I didn't engage him the way that I should have. I had an opportunity, a, a half an hour with this guy by himself, where I could have just started asking him questions. And if he had shut me down, well, he shuts me down. Um, but if he wanted to talk, now all of a sudden, and that was a blown opportunity. I wasted that opportunity, because I wasn't watching for it. I was thinking about myself. I had grading to do, and I had scheduled a half an hour time of grading. And by golly, I'm not going to let you know, some stupid opportunity get in the way of that. Okay. Um, the, the good thing, because I, I and it was so funny because I'm preparing this lesson, I walked out and I thought, well, there's the absolute worst example ever of seizing an opportunity. I just blew it. Fortunately, he said he always gets there early. So I'm going to schedule a time to go there early. So now we'll create an opportunity. But, but we should be praying for opportunities. We should be asking God to show us. We should be thinking as we go through our day, what is the opportunity here to share the gospel? Um, once I'm living my life the way that I should be, those opportunities are going to come up and we should be grasping those opportunities. Rod, it looked like you were. Well, and you have the, uh, the total opposite example of, so you have Jonah, right, who ran away from God. You have Ananias who argued with him, and then you have the example of Philip, who was perfectly willing to be there for the Ethiopian eunuch, and we want to be over on that side. And I'm sure if we went around this room, there would be times where you could share where you have prayed for an opportunity or where um, an, an opportunity came and you seized it and God used that. And I'm sure most of you could probably talk about times where you didn't seize the opportunity as well. 
And I think that's where we get back to here, walk, walking in wisdom. What is our purpose? Why did God leave us here on this earth? Well, a part of it is for ourselves. This is part of being molded and shaped into the likeness of Christ, but certainly a part of it is to share the gospel with other people. And we, we, are, we are left here with a great commission. And, and it's easy to go through and say, well, I just never have any opportunities. Well, my guess is we're not walking carefully. My guess is we're not walking in wisdom because we're not, we're not seizing the opportunities that are there. And before long, we just become in our own little world and the rest of the world just goes by. We've got Adrian and then Rod and somebody else as well. Well, now, this is, this is actually good because there's a good example of seizing an opportunity. When somebody's hurting or distressed, to offer to pray for them, at, right at that point, can I pray for you? Um, that, that changes the dynamic of the relationship, and they know that you care for them, and then if you continue to pray and follow up on it, that makes a difference. Um, so that we let them know that we're people who believe in prayer and that we believe in a great God who can, can answer prayers. So, uh, Rod. Uh, I think when you were talking about being careful, in my mind, one of the things that requires great care on us as presenting Christ is to be sure that we're not there to convert their hearts. We're there to present the gospel, the Lord Well, and even there is, um, when, when we talk, make, make, make the best use of the opportunity. And again, opportunity, doesn't, this word isn't actually opportunity. It's, it's a short period of time. But there are some people that you have longer blocks of time with. You move into a house, you've got your neighbors. You assume those neighbors are going to be there for a long time. Start building the relationship with those neighbors. But a person who comes to your door delivering an Amazon package, you've got a two-minute window of opportunity, right? Um, when you're sitting on an airplane, you have a four-hour window of opportunity. Um, when you're driving down the road, you might have just a, a short period of time. Um, and, and we have to be watchful for that and praying for that and seizing those opportunities. That's the call of being a Christian. Um, you know, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Charlie. Raised their kids in the church uh, based 
yeah, you, you can never see the ramifications of what may happen. Yeah, and that's where the wisdom comes in because every person's different and how you approach different people. Um, and I, I mean, I can think back to people who actually turn turn people off. I remember we did. You guys remember the I found those of you who are old enough the I found it campaign with Billy Graham, um, and we would go out. We went out all visiting the neighborhood, and there was one guy. He was he was from back in the hills, and he was kind of a rough guy. And he, we all came back and we're sharing about who we had talked to and we went door to door and he came back and there had been four or five people who had threatened to kill him. <laughs> it's like, okay, I think you're doing something wrong. Your, your attitude is such that, that you know, you're coming at people the wrong way. He wanted to share the gospel in the process. He was driving people away from the gospel and there's, you know, that was just a very gruff personality, but, um, but we want to be sharing the gospel so that it's attractive. And that takes wisdom. You have to know, know the people and you have to, you have to be careful. Um, and, and that's harder with strangers, but it's hard with the people who are close to us as well. Yeah. And that's some of that we haven't gotten to is the second part of this, which is speech. How do we speak to people? Because there's a, a right way and a wrong way to speak to people. Our speech needs to be seasoned and it needs to be gracious. And Matt, we have to, we actually, I got a memo this week <laughs> that I forgot about and I should have said it. We, 
uh, mothers of children in the nursery have to be over there by, um, mothers or fathers, sorry to be so sexist, but mothers or fathers need to get their children out of the nursery by 10 after 10. So we're supposed to end. And then there were two other announcements and I have forgotten them. But uh, that's one of them. So there's two <laughs> others. I'm not sure what the other two are, but um, they're on my phone, but my phone isn't here. Anyways, Matt, we'll have to close with you on this. See, now, this is a good starting point for next week because, um, and, and Facebook would be a good one um, because people do say a lot of things on Facebook thinking it's kind of anonymous, uh, but it's not. And then there's a lot of people offended, but we have to be careful how we speak as well. And a lot of that, to be honest, comes back to here. Uh, I found for myself that uh, a lot of times my pride gets wounded and I say things that that hurt other people, and I'm not acting in humility. Um, when, when somebody calls you ignorant, that causes you to want to respond, but we have to remember there's a bigger, uh, the goal, and, and by the way, I know you just shared that, so I don't know the context, but the goal is not to win an argument about the Crusades, it's to win people for Jesus Christ. And so it's real easy for us to get sidetracked because of the fact that we're not living for Jesus Christ, we're not really allowing him to, his spirit to work through us, that we end up saying and doing things that are very, very, um, that actually subvert what we're doing. But we have to quit because I was told I have to, and I usually don't go this late anyways. But I do want to spend time, more time with this. I want you to think about it some this week, but pray for opportunities. We, we can't just, according to Colossians, you cannot just float through life, letting life happen. Life is to be purposefully lived with the point of, of, of uh, leading people to Jesus Christ, letting them see Christ in us and then be willing to snatch those opportunities and draw them to ourselves. If we're not doing that, then we're not being careful how we walk and we're not being wise in how we walk. And that's what we're called to do. Let's, let's go ahead and close in prayer.